Uh, well, as you said, we're uh, into this little series on finance and uh, wealth and what does the Bible have to say. And I want to talk about a subject this morning that um, um, oh, I thought, yeah, I can talk on that when Hugh asked me. And I thought, why did I agree to this? Um, but I'm going to talk about debt. Oh, okay. But I want to go just a little side tangent first and uh, want to remind many of you who, uh, if you're my uh, era particularly, you will have been taught the Lord's Prayer in school or you've been saying it in Sunday school or, uh, and you will have learned the words which were pretty traditional words, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Yeah? Many of you are familiar with those words. When you read Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, where Jesus is teaching his disciples these things, if you read it in the New Living Translation, it says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. So trespasses are sins. If you read it in the King James Version or the NIV, it will say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So sin, right there, is seen as a debt that we owe to God. How many of us know none of us could have paid that off? But thanks be to God, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to pay the debt of sin. Yeah. And that is dealt with. And if, that is not, if you are not sure whether that's been dealt with in your life, that can be sorted right here, right now, this morning. And you can pray a prayer inviting Jesus to forgive you of your sin. Um, so I just put that as a starting point. But how many of you are really pleased that God is not just interested in your spiritual life, he's interested in all of your life? Your health, your relationships, and even your finance. Oh, we just want to compartmentalize that sometimes, yeah? Um, you may remember uh, recently I spoke a message called All In. Do you remember that? Are we willing to go all in? It was interesting this morning, the song that we, we sang out a couple of times, actually. You're all I want. You're all I ever needed. And we sing it with great gusto. Hello. Ah, anyway, park that one. I do think there is a huge difference between this whole sense of appreciating what God has blessed us with in the sense of how we deal with it in terms of stewardship and ownership. Stewardship and ownership. How we view our belongings, our finances, is really linked, I often find, with how much we've stepped into that position of surrender to God. Yeah? Whether we are stewards of it or whether we are owners of it. And I think... Um, hmm, if we don't get the money thing right, if we misuse money... We're going in all sorts of problems. How many of you know if you misuse food, you get overweight? <laughs> if you misuse money, you're going to get in some difficulties. And I find that money reveals the real me. Money reveals the real you. Um, money makes good people look better and bad people look worse. How we handle it, what we do with it. And the question for me is, are we willing to steward it or do we just want to own it? And I guess an interesting example of that is tithing. We're not going to get particularly into that too much this morning. But, you know, I would say you probably don't have to tithe, but you are allowed to tithe. I'll just wait for a response. It's a privilege. It's not an obligation. 
And I would say, why would you want to miss out on the miracle of Malachi? Yeah, and I haven't got time to go into that, but look it up, Malachi 3, 10 to 12. If you are not tithing, we often talk about taking our tithes and offerings. We've just had the opportunity to do that, and some people pay directly into the bank, and that's great. Um, we talk about it, and um, but if you're not tithing, I don't want you feeling the condemnation this morning. God still loves us. We just may not receive all the benefits that are linked to it. Oh, he's gone very quiet in here right now. Okay, let's look at debt. Um, debt, dictionary definition, a feeling of gratitude for a service or favor. How many are grateful to God for, we've got a great debt of gratitude for what he's done in our lives. And there will be individuals in your life that you have a debt of gratitude to. Debt is a sum of money that is owed or due, you know, a physical amount. Or it's a state of owing money when you owe somebody some money. Will Smith, the great Hollywood theologian, says these words. Too many people spend money they have not earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. Oh, that's quite funny and quite insightful, actually. But debt means that someone else is controlling your finance. Debt means that you're probably not, probably, I'm going to put loads of riders in this morning, because you can't, I'm not giving you financial advice, I'm not qualified to do that. Um, debt means that we're probably not the best stewards of our resources, probably. I'll qualify some of this later. Debt allows you to pretend that you are someone else than you really are. Think about that one for a moment. Debt limits your future potential to create wealth. Debt does not just sometimes hurt you financially, it can cause other issues in life. How many know people who get stressed, who get anxiety and depressed because of financial issues going on? Debt can affect your relationships, marital problems, even potentially divorce. Debt affects how generous we can be in terms of giving and funding great causes. Significant debt will affect things such as where you can live, therefore where your kids may be able to go to school, therefore the impact on your life can be huge. Whole loads of things. And how many know if you just listen to the news that debt is a huge problem in the Western world? Massive. Uh, where by and large we live with a have it now, pay for it later mindset. Yeah? Much of the material stuff that is bought today is on credit. The main question that many people and families have though is how do I manage my debt rather than how can I live debt-free? Is that true? Here's an interesting thought. In the Western world, then, debt is a mindset that we've got into. Why is it that although the Jewish people account for less than 2% of the world population, they oversee a disproportionate amount of the world's wealth? You ever thought that one through? 
Well, maybe it's got something to do with the fact that they've grasped some biblical economic principles. Um, Jewish families tend to operate an anti-debt mindset. Let me give you some examples. Uh, the Jewish mindset would say, don't buy a brand new car and drive it straight out the showroom. It'll lose 20% of its value as soon as you drive it off. They would say, buy one a year old, it might have a few miles on the clock, but let somebody else take the financial hit. Now, I'm not telling you what to do, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you the Jewish mindset. And they'd never take a payment plan out that are so typical in our world today with regard to cars. Let me just focus on cars for a minute. BBC News, anybody read it this week? 4th of March this week, um, the Financial Conduct Authority said that the industry practice of allowing car dealers to set their own interest rates has resulted in car buyers being typically overcharged by £1,000 above and beyond what would be normal interest rates. And a previous article said the Bank of England and the FCA were already concerned that a record £31.6 billion was borrowed to buy cars in the UK alone in 2016. £31.6 billion. It's a phenomenal business. Now, I'm not qualified to give financial advice. What I would encourage us all to do is, let's do our research. It's gone very quiet in here. Let me read a typical story, a story, it's an actual story, of a Christian guy, a young Christian guy, he, he got a great job, he was doing really well in business, and uh, he got an older guy who was a Christian as well coming to visit him. The older guy happened to be a Christian, but also he had a Jewish background. So they were chatting in the younger guy's home one day, and uh, the young, they got onto the subject of tithing. And the younger guy said to the older guy, he said, oh, he said, I, can't, I, I just can't afford to tithe. He can't afford to do it. And uh, long and short of it, the older guy offered just to have a look at the younger guy's finances for him. Let's have a look at your bank statement. Let's see you know, what's coming in, what's going out. Let's see, see what we can do. Because the younger guy really wanted to see if he could get into um, handing things back to the Lord in that way. So after a moment or two, the older guy said, well, he said, actually, you are able to tithe. The problem is that £40,000 car you've got on your driveway. You are paying £800 a month in payments. Well, long and the short of it, the younger guy took it on board, got rid of his new car, must have taken a financial hit, ended up buying a car that was older, paid cash outright for it. Still a nice car, a few miles on the clock but it transformed his life, and he began to tithe. Within two months of beginning to tithe, his boss came to him totally out of the blue and gave him a, quite a significant pay rise. And the older guy writes, he said, I bump into the guy every now and again, and every time he sees me, he gives me a big hug. Transformed his life. Debt and being free from it, what does the Bible say? You know, um, Romans 13, 8 would say this, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt of love to one another. Now, when you look at the 
uh, what's the word, commentators. And that. There's various sort of interpretations of that. It could be that don't have any debt. Some people have viewed it literally as that. And secondly, it could be that make sure that you are honouring the debt that you have. Um, so what it doesn't say, it doesn't say that borrowing is sin. But the Bible does say over and over again, it's got lots of warnings about the dangers of, of debt. It never says you're out of God's will and violating various things and commandments, but there's lots of warnings. And we could debate the wisdom of incurring debt, I guess. And there may be cases where debt is probably unavoidable. If you are suddenly made redundant or something significant, some significant crisis happens, it may be that you have to look at that. Um, but let's not read into Scripture what it doesn't say, but let's be aware of what it does say. The Bible doesn't say that God will bail us out of debt either. Um, some people have the view that uh, Philippians 4.19, where Paul writes, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory, is a get-out clause for your debt. I don't think it is. Uh, it's interesting when Paul wrote that, he was actually in quite a good place financially speaking. If you read the previous verse, verse 18, it says, at the moment I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts that you sent with Epaphroditus. But that wasn't always the case for Paul, because if you read earlier on in the same chapter, verse 12 and 13, Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret, though, of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How many of you have heard that verse, but often in isolation? And it's linked to this whole sense of well-being and provision and God's blessing and God looking after him. Or even in times where things are a bit lean. And he said, I've learned to be content, but God will give me strength through it. The Bible doesn't say that debt is an exercise in faith. To say that we're exercising faith by borrowing money to do something. Um, yeah, I know, could put loads of caveats on this. But all I'll say is this. Let's not put the lender in place of God. But let him give you the desires of your heart. You can read that up in Psalm 37.4. The Bible doesn't say it's a sin to loan money. So flip it around the other way. It doesn't say it's a, a sin to loan money. Um, just it doesn't say it's a sin to borrow money. But I think it's important that we remember when we loan money to somebody, that relationship changes. And it could be a family member. All of a sudden, there's a slight difference, there's a little bit of owner on, on it, a um, little bit of respect needed, a little bit of wisdom needed. And so, yeah... Let me, let me put a, 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 an issue that's a similar one to that uh, from Proverbs 11, 15. Uh, and it talks about uh, surety, effectively. In other words, taking on somebody else's debt or, or being a guarantor for somebody. 
And Proverbs 11.15 says, He who puts up security for another will surely suffer, but whoever refuses to strike hands in a pledge is safe. And maybe there are times when we want to help family members out, but let's do it with wisdom, and if we need to take a bit of financial advice, do it. Because the last thing is you, you don't want to hurt the relationship. You don't want to hurt the relationship. Let me tell you what the Bible does say about debt. It says, Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Have you ever had a debt and you just fell enslaved by it? Which raises the problem of hardship within debt. Sometimes we take on debt to try and get out of hardship. But actually, there's real hardship in debt. Hugh alluded to this last week when he was talking about the wife of the man of the company of the prophets. The guy had died. He'd ended up in quite a lot of debt. And now the creditors were coming to take the two sons away from them to be slaves to pay off the debt. Uh, Debt also was considered a curse. It's interesting when you read Deuteronomy 28, we like to focus on the first 14 verses. The first 14 verses in Deuteronomy 28 are brilliant. If you've never read them, read them. Those who consider God's word, who obey God's word, who take on his principles, live by them, God will bless you in this way, God will bless you in that way, God will bless you in the other way, God will bless you even in a way you never thought possible. There's a whole load of stuff, which is fantastic. First 14 verses. Then it gets to verse 15. And the rest of the chapter, which is quite a long chapter. Verse 15 says, However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. And there's a whole load it begins to list. Jump from verse 15 to verse 43, and you get to this one on the list. The foreigners who reside among you will rise up above you higher and higher, and you will sink lower and lower. They will lend to you, but you will not lend to them. They will be the head, but you will be the tail. Wow. There's something to be said for following God's ways. He's very quiet in here this morning. This isn't one of those really encouraging, uplifting messages, is it? This is one of these, actually this is where the rubber hits the road type things. What about repaying our debts? Well, again, the, the Bible can be quite stark. Psalm 37 says, The wicked borrower never repay. If you don't repay your debts, the Bible suggests you and I are wicked. Ooh. Does that mean that it's always wrong for a Christian to declare bankruptcy? I'm touching on some dodgy subjects this morning, aren't I? Well, not necessarily. I mean, we have laws in this country where individuals and companies uh, can declare bankruptcy and the safeguards within that, etc. But I do think there is a moral obligation on us as God's people to pay our creditors. We want to be good at honouring the people that we borrowed off uh, and honouring those debts that we might have. But here's the ultimate. This is the good news, right? Now, that's all the... Stuff, all right? But it's in the Bible. Here's the good stuff. God 
wants his people to be debt free. Not only debt of sin, but I believe in finance as well. Um, In fact, God was so committed to it with his people in the Old Testament, he gave them this directive. Every seven years, I want you to forgive anybody who owes you anything. You find it in Deuteronomy 15, 1 to 11. I'll just read the first couple of verses. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. This is how it is to be done. And he begins to list some practical things. And he's talking about God's people to God's people. And he said, if there are foreigners living among you, never mind, just take the money. Well, that's my variation on it. But God wants us to be debt free. How many people want to be debt free? Don't put your hands up. But just nod inwardly. Now listen, I'm not qualified to give financial advice. Um, But it may be worth thinking about adopting an anti-debt mindset. Now you said to David, David, loads of people I know have got mortgage. Um, Well, let me say this. Jewish mindset is okay with a mortgage regarding a property. Uh, They're okay with borrowing some money for a business to generate some profit. So there are some caveats to this. In fact, interestingly story, my brother-in-law used to live in Scotland. He lived in a flat. It was owned by a housing association. He paid rent on it every month. And he got the opportunity after he'd been there a few years to buy the property. And he managed to raise the deposit needed. And actually, his monthly repayments on his mortgage were less than what he was paying for his, his, his rent. It's a sound investment. So let's just not be all sweeping, etc. Let's just be wise with it. But I want to encourage us to resolve to getting to a place, if we need some help, to get some help. Whether it's an independent financial advisor or, you know, but I want to encourage you, God is behind you. You can bring this stuff to God in prayer. In the church, we have this cap debt center. If debt is a real problem right now, and you can go and talk to Ellen, it's totally confidential. It doesn't get talked about in the leadership team or anything. It just get help there for people. Don't miss out on the help that's available. Secondly, I say, let's not bury our heads in the sand, but face the situation we may be in and set up some payments to get yourself out of it. Bottom line, sometimes we've also just got to learn to say no. May not be what we need, but it may be something we want. And there's a huge, huge difference. And maybe to ask somebody, would you just be accountable with me? Would you just help me? And adopt a budgeting plan, maybe, to keep you out of debt. Perhaps the musicians will come back. I'll tell you one more story. Um, In 2014, we as a family went away on holiday. There's a picture on screen. There you go. Eight of us before any of the grandkids were born. And we were at Centre Parks. And in Centre Parks, if you've ever been, we were in one of their uh, log cabin things. And uh, in the dining sort of area of this log cabin, there was a big blackboard on the wall and some chalk. And so we'd had a meal one night, and I said to everybody, okay, listen up. Father of the house about to speak. 
And uh, I'd recently read a book by the guy called Jeff Letts. Books there, it's called True Riches. Really impacted me. And it was just a practical thing. And I'll say again, my rider is I'm not here to give you financial advice. I am not qualified. But he came up, and he's, a, he's a, of a Jewish background, okay, and a Christian, Christian business guy, with a principle they called 10, 10, 10, 70 principle. And he suggested, and I started to write all this on this blackboard in this uh, chalet thing we were in. The first 10% of your income, separate it out to God. That's a tithe. The next 10% goes into your emergency fund and short-term savings. 10% goes into your long-term investment plan. And then you live and give off the remaining 70%. So we talk about tithes and offerings. Tithe is sorted, offerings additional to. And you may want to give to a plethora of causes that are out there. Now, it is going to be difficult to adopt this plan if you're in debt, significant debt. Um, you've got to start where you are. And let me just read, this is Jeff speaking in his book. He said, when I began, I was in serious debt and I paid my 10% tithe, but saved only 25 pound per month because I was using the balance to pay off my debt that was at 18 to 24%. Pay off the debt that's stinging you to that degree. The longer I worked at it, the more I got aligned with where I really wanted to be and was able to deal with things more appropriately. Hey, that wasn't the most usual message you've ever heard from this platform. But how many are glad that God has firstly set you free from sin, but secondly has got this whole life thing that he has for you, that's a sense of well-being and peace, a good place in him. Why don't you stand? I want to pray. He's interested in not only your spiritual state and condition this morning, but also your relationships, your health and your financial life as well. Father, thank you this morning for your goodness to us that you are the God of all, the Lord of all. And when we trust you with all, significant things happen. Amazing things happen. Supernatural things happen. And I pray across this congregation as perhaps we just go away from here today and just have a think through, a practical think through of some of these things that Lord, you will give us insight and you will give us wisdom and Lord, you will enable us to take your word and apply it appropriately to our lives today with all the challenges of the 21st century. That God, we may live more and more aligned with your purposes and plan for our life, that we would live that sense of fruitfulness and flourishing in you that you have promised over and over again in your word. And I just pray for insight and wisdom across this congregation today. In Jesus' name, amen.